Hi, podcast listeners. I'm Matteo Pistono, host of the Hay House Meditations podcast. And I'm here to invite you to our free five-day meditation challenge starting January 28th at hayhouse.com slash five days. There are so many benefits to meditation. In as little as five days, you can be on your way to sleeping better, feeling calmer, embracing life more, and finding ways to ease your physical pain. During the challenge, each day, you'll receive two free meditations, one for the morning and one for the evening. These guided meditations will help you unlock a happier and healthier you. Plus, you'll get exclusive access to two live webinars with me where I'll answer your meditation questions. And best of all, you'll be joining a like-minded, supportive community, making the commitment to change their lives by building a meditation practice that brings meaningful results. Whether you're brand new to meditation or a seasoned meditator, I really hope you'll join us starting on January 28th. Go to hayhouse.com slash five days to join now and download a free PDF where I share five ways to boost your meditation practice. That's hayhouse.com forward slash the number five D-A- Y-S. Welcome to the Dr. Wayne Dyer Radio Podcast. Discover the wisdom and remarkable insights of Dr. Dyer, world-renowned spiritual teacher and foremost authority on how the power of your mind creates your world. We're here today with Dr. Wayne Dyer, and I'm Summer McStravick, the producer of this show. So glad to have you with us today. I'll be taking all of your calls for Dr. Dyer, who is here with us. Hi, Dr. Dyer. Hello there, Summer. How are you? (laughs) Oh, I'm doing great. Had a wonderful weekend. That's good. So I'm looking forward to spending the next hour as we talk to our callers, our listeners from all over the world. Um, As we've been doing for a while now, it's fun to go right to the phones and just to start you know, taking apart people's Let's situations and giving right. them that direction. Let's find out what's out there. Great. We have John, I believe, on line 10, calling from Colorado for you now. Dr. Dyer, welcome, John. Hello. Hey, John. How's it going out there? Great. How are you doing? I'm all right. It's a, Good. a windy day here in Colorado. Is it? Yeah, very much. Well, you could be planning your Maui vacation, you know. Oh, that sounds really good to me. <laughs> I am. That's right. <laughs> I'll see if I can get organized enough. Okay, yeah, right. Good listener, if not, John. call my brother. My brother will take care of it. <laughs> yes, you're getting a gold star. <laughs> Go on. What's your question? Um, well, a little bit of a preview. The uh, I hadn't uh, known about you, Dr. Dyer, until about September. I was climbing a 14,000-foot uh, mountain with my taekwondo instructor. And mm-hmm. we were coming down afterwards, you know, off the high, I guess. And um, we were talking about what we were reading. And I said, you know, I've been reading the Tao, the Ching. And uh, mm-hmm. I find it interesting because I've, I have some friends who've read this thing in a weekend. And I decided that I would um, read it like once a day and meditate on that. It took me like a month and a half to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, my instructor is like, said, I just saw this show on PBS. Dr. Wayne Dyer did that. Took a whole year to do it. And anyway, mm-hmm. that's how I discovered you. So, oh, well, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> weird story. The, uh, the reason I'm calling today, though, is um, so I've been studying the Tao, and I'm having an issue right now where my wife has asked for a divorce. And I'm trying to figure out exactly how to get my head around that using the Tao. Mm. Uh, maybe to have some insight. 
Does it is it was it a surprise to you? Is it um, is it um, is it something that you uh, saw coming, or was it um, just you know just like coming right out of the blue? I don't know. A little bit of both. You know, in hindsight, the the signs were there. We mm-hmm. had problems. Twenty two years. So the um, mm-hmm. part of it was I thought things were getting better. Um, using mm-hmm. the Dow to try to well just make life better, happier, more mm-hmm. joyful, and um, fuller, and take care of my kids better, take care of myself, take care of my wife better. So um, I knew that she had been talking about it, so I kind of gave her some space, or she had been thinking about it for several months. Um, she had been kind of doing her own little journey, and I just let her do that, um, just be supportive and try to not get in her way. Um, and then, so this came up three weeks ago. So in a way, it's a little bit of a surprise, yes. Yeah. I know. I'm. You're talking to somebody who's been through this. Um, it, it happened to me uh, seven years ago. My wife just decided that uh, she wanted to move on with with uh, with someone else that she had met, and I was. Um, it, it was like I, it was like getting hit over the back of the head with a baseball bat. With I never saw it coming at all. Um, and I and I've really learned a great lesson from this. And, and I'd like to share it with you. I haven't shared much about this publicly. Um, and today we're still not divorced, but we're very, very close, but we don't live together. And she still is seeing that same person, but we've turned it into a love story, um, in, in many, many ways. Um, all I, what I can say to you is that there are, what I've learned from the Tao is that there are different ways to, uh, to, uh, to reach a place of enlightenment or nirvana or a higher place of consciousness, uh, you know, what, called, uh, you know, living uh, as a Taoist master, you know, a, a God-realized life, a Tao-centered life, where your uh, your thoughts and your behaviors and your attitudes and everything are in harmony with the Tao, which is the natural source of, of, of all things to which we will all return, from which we all originated. And uh, the way to get to that Tao-centered way of living, to, uh, to be a, a, a Taoist master or a, a, a peaceful uh, being or whatever, um, it seems like there's different ways to get there. One of the ways is to get there is through, I call it enlightenment through suffering, where something happens to you that is very painful, very difficult, very much of a struggle. It could be an accident. It could be just finding out that you've got a disease or something. It could be uh, what you're talking about here, John, which is uh, you know something that really challenges uh, us internally, the idea of ending a relationship in a divorce, which is something you may not ever have contemplated. I don't know all the details, how many children you have and so on, but uh, whatever it is, when that kind of thing comes up, even if you're, uh, even if you don't ever get along, uh, it's still a very difficult thing to process. So what happens at that stage of your life is you go through this period of suffering, and the suffering is why did this happen? And oh my God! And I don't know. And you get uh, you get sick, and you don't eat well, and uh, you wonder what I could have done differently, and you try to resolve it, and and time goes by, a year goes by, two years go by. Um, and um, you're still in that state of suffering, and you don't eat well, and your blood pressure is not right, and your gut isn't right, and, and so on. Uh, and then finally something happens to you after a period of time where you begin to say, now I know why I had to go through that. And I, I can say that to you. My best writing, the best uh, work that I've done in my life, the relationships uh, with my children, everything in my life in the last seven years, has taken a giant step upward to a higher, higher place. I'm, I'm a much better, 
more compassionate, better writer, better speaker, uh, better father, uh, better human being in virtually every respect. And so much of it came from the the anguish and the pain and so on that I was feeling during those years. The power of intention, inspiration, change your thoughts, the, my whole year with the Tao, my children's books, my, deep, my specials and so on and on television. Everything has just elevated to a higher place. In fact, my income has gone up like by tenfold. I can't, every, in every aspect outside of uh, myself, I look at it and um, uh, I've gone to a higher place. So then you get to a place in your life where you just say, you know, I just don't have enough time for this suffering. I, I, you know, every time something like this happens, I don't have years and years and years to go through it and then ultimately realize that this has been a blessing. There's been something really positive and very good for me in this. So then you move to the next level in your life, which is, uh, when something like this happens, instead of saying to yourself, oh, my God, I'm going to go through a long period of suffering, you say to yourself, you know what, um, I'm going to deal with this right now. What's in this for me? And if this is what she really wants, and I'm going to really test myself, I'm going to, I'm going to let her go. Uh, and I'm going to let her go with love and with kindness. And every day that I think anything, I'm just going to only think positive, loving things about this woman who is the mother of my children, who has been my partner for however long, and I'm going to love her through whatever this may be and and not and keep myself out of it, get my ego out of it, and just surround her with love. And you can almost feel the internal kind of relief where you're saying, my God, enlightenment is here, and I don't even have to suffer. And I become more compassionate. I become everything that the suffering used to teach me. That's the second level. And then ultimately, John, you get to this highest level, which is the place where you see something like this coming at you, so before it even arrives, you know, you're totally at peace with whatever decision anybody out there uh, might offer you. And that's, you know, by way of my advice to you, it's to see the blessing in this, to honor her, to love her through this, to give her whatever reason that she needs to uh, be able to have the separation or the separateness or, or this divorce. What, for whatever reasons are going on in her head, totally, completely, honorably love her through it and just watch what happens for you you as a more compassionate more loving more giving less ego driven person uh about the pain and so on you're going to find yourself moving higher and higher and higher and wondering even in a few months from now or a year from now or whatever how you could have ever not uh, seen the, the great gratitude and blessing that's that's in this uh, this moment in your life well, does that make sense Oh, totally. And it, but this is the most confusing part for me. Um, I, <clears throat> I'm trying to be loving, supportive, and at the same time, I want it to work out. Still, um, mm. we have two children. Let it go. Let that part of it go, John. I have. You I have thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. You told me about. You know, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you um, go ahead. What you were saying about you know, your creativity increased, your everything increased. It, it's funny. The she dropped this on me about. Four days before black belt testing, um, mm -hmm. I told my instructor, I, I said, I don't think, I don't know if I can get through it because it's a very, you, know, you have to do concentrate. Um, right. And I had never had a better testing. Um, mm. I was yeah. there, present at, mm. at, she was there in the back. Well, she takes it mm -hmm. with me. So we, you know, we were there together. Um, mm. at, at the same time, I'm, I, wondered if I should just let it go. Yeah, I think Robert Frost's great line, we love the things we love for what they are. 
And, um, you know, it's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't interfere. I would practice non-interference if you understand the Tao. I would, I would say to her, I love you so much as a person and everyone else that I encounter in my life that I love you enough to let you go. And like they always say about the butterfly, you know, if you, uh, if you try to grasp and try to hold on to it, you've never held it. You've got to let it go away. And if it doesn't come back, you never had it in the first place. And uh, you have to love it for its freedom and for its desire to be what it is. And so many great and wonderful blessings are coming your way, probably as a result of uh, your being able to be in a place, maybe for the first time in a very, very long time in your life, when you're t when you're totally, completely independent and on your own. Maybe that's what you need, and you you know a little bit of uh, detachment from your need to have this thing work out, probably is what made your uh, you know your your performance uh, at such a high level. And that's just the beginning for you, John. That's just the beginning. You have much, much, much to give. Well, thank you. I, I'd let it go. And and I would love her through it all. Through it all. Oh, that is, Which is what I, do. I yeah. can't do. I can't do nothing else. I can't. Pardon? I can't do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. It's already been handled for you anyway. It really has. Yeah. And when I see my wife now, I love her more now than I ever did before, and she's not even with me. No. She sends me these beautiful notes and so on. And, I, and, and I, you know, a few years back when I was going through my suffering phase, now I want to reach enlightenment without having to go through the suffering. I just don't, I just don't think we need to do that. No. Good words. Thank Good you. luck. Thank yeah, you. thank you. God bless you, my friend. Thank you, John, for your call. Let's all reach enlightenment without suffering. I'm, I'm down with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will agree. How about... Um, Oh, my goodness. How about Lee in New York? Lee, welcome to our program. And what's on your mind today? Hello. Oh, hello Hi, to you Lee. both. It's an honor to be speaking to you. Thank you. Likewise. And uh, what you said to John was just beautiful. It actually got me all choked up. Really? I almost yeah. feel as if um, I've left myself. I've divorced myself. And my question that I um, phoned in, is about writer's block. Um, and I know I'm talking to a man on the bestseller list. Mm -hmm. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I published a book about a year ago, and it, it did okay. It got very good reviews, but it wasn't a bestseller. And I'm such I'm a perfectionist to a fault. So in my mind, my warped mind, because it wasn't a bestseller, it was a colossal failure. And I got that in my mind about nine months ago, and the thought has gotten worse and worse and worse. And I have another book that was due in June, and then I extended it to October, and I've extended the deadline again. But I can't write because in my warped mind, I say, why would I spend two years on something that's going to fail? Mm. And I can't get back to that place of just enjoying the process enjoying the magic of writing because there's this vicious voice that's saying it's going to fail. You are a failure. Mm. So I it's interesting that you, you use that. You keep using that word failure and you know, it really and truly, honestly, um, Lee, it, um, it really doesn't exist. It's a total complete illusion. It's a, it's a falsehood that we carry around with us. This idea of, uh, uh, something being a failure because somebody out because enough people out there didn't buy it. Um, the, you know, it's like I've always said, we don't, we don't fail at anything. We just produce results. 
You know, that's all we do. Everything that everything that we do just produces a result. So if you take a golf ball and hit it off the tee and it dribbles off to the side, you haven't failed. You've just produced a result. And the question isn't whether you fail. The question is what do you do with the results that you produce in your life? That's number one. Number two, and there's three things in, in here. The second thing is, is like, how could you possibly be responsible for a book being a bestseller or not being a bestseller? It has nothing to do with you. It's right. not, it's not, it's not even, it's not in your power to make a book a bestseller. Bestsellerdom means that other people out there make a decision that they're going to purchase that book. That's their decision to make, not yours to create or not yours to, uh, to have anything to do with. So it's like worrying about, you know, about your reputation when you give a talk. I'll, I'll give a talk in front of thousands of people. You know, and there'll be, there'll be some people, they'll, they'll stand up and they'll, uh, they'll cheer and they'll give me standing ovations and there'll be others who will be, uh, looking at like, what is this guy even talking about? And others who don't think much about it and you can tell by the look on their face. Because if you give a talk to a thousand people, you're going to get a thousand reputations. And you can't be responsible for what other people think of you. It's just not impossible. The great lesson out of the Tao is that what you think of me is none of my business. And that's true of your writing as well. If you're writing in order to become a bestseller, you are doing you're doing yourself a huge, huge disservice and disfavor. And the third thing, and I want to I want to hold this call to the after the break because I know we're going to go to a break in about thirty seconds. Um, because I want to talk about writer's block and where okay. you are right now, and and how important it is to remove that also from your consciousness and you don't have to have anything like that so can you hang on for a couple of minutes absolutely greatly that's right please stay with us we'll be returning with more of dr wayne dyer's inspiration right after this commercial break welcome to dr wayne dyer's inspiration with dr wayne dyer that's right and i'm summer mcstravick i'm very happy to have all of you listening into our wonderful program today with Dr. Wayne Dyer. We have Lee from New York on the line with us. And uh, Lee and Dr. Dyer were just discussing not only writer's block, but the sense of failure and success that we have about ourselves. And would you like to continue that conversation now? Yes. Hi, Lee. Yeah. Hi. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> the... Um... So, so what I was, was speaking about there is uh, this, this whole idea of uh, uh, being responsible when you when, when you have a, a passion, when you have a feeling, when you cr- got in there creating something, and then evaluating its success or lack of sex, success on the basis of what somebody else outside of you makes a decision to do with it. That is, if they write a bad review about it. That is, if they don't stock it in, the, in their bookstores. That is, if they, if the publisher doesn't get behind it, and, and all of those kinds of things that writers have a tendency to do. And not just writers. I'm talking to everyone out there listening. Uh, that when you uh, are involved in something and it doesn't seem to be getting the kind of response or doesn't generate the finances or whatever it is that that you would like to have showing up in your life, you immediately begin to make an assessment about yourself as having failed or not failed on the basis of something that has absolutely nothing to do with you, nothing whatsoever to do with you. It's like I say, when I give a, a lecture and uh, there's there's a thousand people in the room, I have a thousand different reputations when I leave. And I've told each one of my eight children, never be concerned about your reputation. Never be concerned about how others are processing you. That's not within your purview it's like the only thing you can be responsible for is your character is for you for the excitement and, and putting it out there the way that you put it out there and who's to say in a universe that is endless 
that the work that you're doing right now might might not even become manifest and 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 uh, recognized for uh, f- five more centuries. Who's who's to know any of that? All right. So uh, you know, it's like remember, like Van Gogh never sold a painting during his entire lifetime, and so on. So now you get to this whole th- thing about writer's block, which what you're telling yourself is that. Failure is not an option. It's one of the things that I had a real problem with with uh, with President Bush uh, when he talked about the, the our you know our foray into Iraq and so on. Failure is not an option. Mm-hmm. When in fact, uh, failure by the definition that I'm using it now, not failure as a person, but just not things working out the way that you would like them to work out, is the greatest teacher that we have. Um, the old line that we used to use with uh, Thomas Edison that, that he supposedly said when he was trying all kinds of different. Uh, materials to create a, a, a light bulb and he hadn't come up with tungsten yet he come up with this one and that one and someone said to him how does it feel someone of your caliber to have failed 25,000 times 25,000 different combinations he still didn't have a light bulb and he said failure he said I don't know what you're talking about he said today I know 25,000 ways not to make a light bulb and yeah so it's like so now you get to the writer's block part of you, and I, I can tell you that when you are in, on purpose, in line with your own Tao-centeredness, checking your own nature, really being who you are, living with passion, with a pen in your hand or a computer in your hand or however it is that you're writing, and it is coming out, you can't experience writer's cramp, the writer's block, rather, uh, if you're uh, if you're on purpose in your life, whatever it is that you are supposed to be uh, uh, putting down on that paper, whatever openness that you have to allow it to flow through you and to recognize that you know God writes all the books and delivers all the speeches and whether you call it God or Tao or Spirit or Divine Mind or whatever, that we don't own any of this, that every word that's coming out of my mouth right now into this microphone and into your ears right now, everybody out there, these aren't mine. I don't own them. I just connect to them and I just become a conduit I allow it to flow through me once you get that about your writing once you really understand this is not you this is not your stuff this is just you are opening yourself up to allowing your your purpose to unfold and finally I want to say to you that I remember years and years ago when I had a book called Your Erroneous Zones which was on the bestseller list every week at the top of the New York Times bestseller and I called finally and on Wednesday we would find out whether it was going to be on the bestseller list on Sunday and I called my wife and I said, because uh, she had, she, she knew the phone number at the New York Times. And I said to her, I said, so where, where am I on the bestseller list next week? She said, you're not on the bestseller list next week. I said, what do you mean I'm not on the bestseller list? How could that be? I was number one last week. How can I not be on the bestseller list next week? She said, your book is on the bestseller list next week. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> and that was a great, great reminder that none of this is me. None of this. You are just an allower. You are, when you are a writer, you take great pride in the fact that you have let it come through you. You put it out there and you make it as available as you possibly can and you do all that you can. You, you know, whatever publicity, whatever, but you detach yourself from the outcome and live in that process and just let the God take care of the rest of those details. And you're going to be one happy was, lady. Um, <laughs> I hear what you're saying. I think that mm-hmm. writer's block is, uh, to me, disconnection from source. Um, is that what is? It's writer's block to me is just uh-huh. connected from source. Exactly. From God. And I it's know so... the feeling of um, material just coming in through me. And what what I've been doing for the past few months is I just won't. I the ego won't let it come 
through. Yeah, but don't you see why? Sister. Can you see why? It's because you are now taking you're taking responsibility and credit. You're taking responsibility for your books not uh, not selling at the level that you think that they should be selling at, and you are uh, taking all the credit for all of the stuff that comes through. If you let go of all of that, get your ego totally out of the picture, and just let go and say whatever I'm supposed to have come through me, I'm open to it. I am totally completely open to it. There's nothing to block. Even if you, even if you, even if only a few words come through uh, at this time, those are the words that are supposed to be there. You respect them, you honor them, and uh, you're at peace with it. And that disconnect will absolutely go away. I don't know how to have writer's block any longer. And there was a time when I did. It was when I removed my ego from it and I said, "I'm not writing this book. I'm allowing it to be written through me. God does all of this, or Source does this, or Spirit does this." And then take the credit away from yourself, and you watch it'll flow through for you. What was the name of your first book that was such a failure? <laughs> Thank <laughs> Come you. On. I want to look up this crappy uh, writing that you're doing. <laughs> it's a memoir called Rex and the City. I've actually mentioned Re it to you months ago about yeah. rescuing an abused dog. I remember that, yeah. Well, there you go. Dog, dog stories are big these days. Marley and me, and uh, there's another one out that's out there, so yours is on its way as well. Yes, dog stories are huge. Yeah, but you know what? If you let go of it, you know, and just let let just let it be. Uh, and if you read the Tao, have you read Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life? Have you been reading the Tao at all since I've, I've been talking about it? I've got it on reserve this? at the library. I'm so glad you wrote this book because I've read the Tao, you know, the the, um, the direct translation. But mm -hmm. I, I need. I'm not a very abstract thinker. Uh huh. And so I can't wait to read your book because I'd like to have more kind of. All right, here's what I'm going to do for you. Here's what I'm going to do for you. Okay, I, don't, I want you to forget about the library, okay? Uh, when, leave your name and address with the uh, producer here before you hang up, and I'll have one sent to you today, okay? Oh, that's sweet of you. I'll have your own personal copy of Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life sent to you. Summer, will you make a note of that and make sure it gets sent to her? You know, I'm already doing it right now. Okay. So, Lee, we're going to ask you to stay on the line oh, a few minutes afterwards and uh, get that information from you. Thank okay, you so great. Much. Dr. Dyer is known you, for this. These little surprises. You never know <laughs> right, what you'll get right. in this show. <laughs> All right. Thank you, dear. What a great call. I really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, I have to say I agree with everything you said about writer's block. Um Particularly for people who are perfectionists. It's, it's mm. all about letting it go and saying, I'll judge it later. Mm, you know, too. I'll I, judge it I, later. I, well, absolutely. I mm -hmm. go through a, uh, a uh, I'm going to start writing January the 1st on a new book. And I'm I'm really gearing myself up. I'll tell you, everyone, how I prepare to do that. I read two or three Pulitzer Prize-winning novels uh, of really great, great writing. Some of the best writers, contemporary writers uh, out there, uh, or even uh, long deceased writers. So I just I immerse myself in the in the in great writing, and and then I just let go and I meditate for days and days and days before I and I just say whatever is going to come is going to come, and then I just let it flow. And I'm telling you, it always works in a dramatic way. And uh, I don't have any failures out there, none, none whatsoever. The ones that uh, sell a lot and the ones that don't sell as much and some are on the list and some aren't, um, all of that is of no concern to me whatsoever. Okay, let's take another call. We have a few minutes left. Yes, we do, certainly. Oh, my, we have so many good calls. It's, I tell you, this last caller, I've been looking at this board for like five minutes now, thinking, who is it going to be? Oh, so how about if we just try Thomas in Portland, Oregon, and we'll just see if I made the right call. Thomas, line two, welcome. Um, hi. Hi, Thomas. Um, hi. I'm glad that I got to speak to you. I've 
been enjoying hearing you here on the radio and watching you on TV. Uh-huh. Um, my question was, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how to phrase the question, um, but what would be the best way to phrase on what you're wanting to manifest? Because I've heard people say, like, you're supposed to phrase it as in having it now, but then I hear that you're supposed to say it, that it's coming to me. I'm not exactly sure what, what is it what is it that you would like to manifest um a, a car um, an automobile well yeah um a car um well, well no I'm, I'm sorry it's um just more financial um prosperity okay so it's like you so that's pretty generic you know and, and that's something that everybody out there in this world can can relate to um, it's, uh, it's opening yourself up to allowing abundance and prosperity to flow into your life, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so, but what's going on for you, Thomas, is that you've got thoughts that are, are saying, um, this isn't happening. Uh, it's not happening on time. It's, uh, I've got shortages here. I've got lacks here. And so when you think like that, I mean, and, and this is a very, very hard lesson to get, you know, to because so many times we believe that if I just, if I just wish hard enough or if I just, you know, get the thought in there hard enough and I say it in the exact right way and I get specific about it, like I, I want a 2007 BMW 5 Series, blah, blah, whatever it is, uh, and then, then, it, then it's automatically going to show up. And I think all of that is like not understanding how this law of attraction thing really works. That when your, when your thoughts are on, I don't have it already. When your thoughts are on that, you're operating still from a lack perspective. If that, that, you, that was the question that I had. Well, cause I'm, I'm focusing on, 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 on feeling, you know, that I already have, you know, the financial right. means to mm-hmm. all of my needs and, and expenses that I have. But, and that's the truth. Yeah. But someone told me that when you do it that way, the universe is, going to, is not going to manifest that for you because if you say that you already have it, then the universe will see that you already have it, so it's not going to bring it to you since you... Well, I've, Summer, you, you, you're big on this stuff and flow dreaming and all of that, too. And uh, I think that if you say to the universe, I'm content, I'm happy, I would like to serve, that the universe responses back to you is, how may I serve? How may I serve you? And how and uh, you're, you're uh, getting an alignment with uh, with with a, a a universe that is offering and giving and allowing and providing and uh, and creating, which is what the nature of the universe really is. You're aligned that way, and the um, the amounts are just stuff. that's just human stuff. That's just like oh I don't you know I I have uh, I I need this much money or I need this kind of a car I need this kind of a watch I need this kind of a I suggest to you that the best way to create those kinds of miraculous spontaneous um, miracles of abundance and prosperity is to get your attention off of what you want and onto serving as much as you possibly can. I'm going to give you an example of this, and it happened to me this morning. I don't know how our time is here, but uh, I, I, I go to a yoga class every morning at 8 o'clock here on Maui, and I, it was about quarter to 8, which is the time I almost always get there, and as I pulled up to park my car in the same spot that I always park it in, and I grabbed my bag and a towel, and I was walking go. This lady walked right, right in front of uh, where I was walking across the street, and she was, she was very, very, very old, and uh, and and could hardly, hardly walk. I mean, she could only take tiny little steps, and she was pushing a, uh, a wheelchair uh, that, uh, but she was on the back of it, and she said to me, she said, um, 
She said, can you call me a cab to get me to the Maui Medical Center? Now, I've only got a few seconds left. I just got told we only have a minute. But at any rate, I had to stop myself right there in that moment and say, now I've got to get to a yoga class, and it's important for me to be on time, or do I get myself into a place of serving? And I let go of getting to the yoga class on time, and for the first time ever, I was late for a yoga class. But I took that, put it, the lady in my car, I, I folded up her wheelchair, I drove her over there. She was 88 years old. And uh, I started out my day in a service way like that, and I can't even tell you, but I already went down to the mail this morning, and there was a check waiting for me for $55,000 from Spain for your erroneous zones in 2005. Oh, wow. That's what happens when you serve, when you just get yourself out of what you're yeah. going to do. And, you know, and I was almost ashamed right. of myself. I'm sorry, Dr. Dyer. Got to go. I this know. is it. This Thanks. is it. Five okay. seconds. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you, Dyer. We'll see you next week. If you would like to hear more of Dr. Dyer's radio show, tune in to HayHouseRadio.com. To find out more about Dr. Wayne Dyer or any other Hay House author, please visit HayHouse.com. Thank you for listening.